This is Living Connected, and we are your hosts, Katie and Kyle. We have two special guests with me today as I'm going solo on this episode. Tease Mallon is the founder and co-executive director of the Alar Institute, a school that teaches the science of connection. Amy Wicker is a co-executive director of the Alar Institute alongside Tease. Together, they run programs which focus on emotional intelligence, applied neuroscience, and mindfulness in order to bring the community together in ways that build connection and transform the way people treat each other. Amy also is the leader of Connection Collaboratory, the community space of the Alar Institute in which people gather to support and learn from one another. Before we get started, I wanted to address that I want to make sure guests feel safe, included, and have a sense of belonging when they join us on our podcast. We didn't get to mention in this episode that Tease prefers the pronouns they and them and Amy prefers the pronouns she and her. I would like to make this more of a common question so that we all feel comfortable when we are connecting with each other. Let's dive in. (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. Welcome, Living Connected. How you doing out there in the real world? Because here we are on the screen (laughs) together. I am sending you guys big healing hugs wherever you might be, and we have a really fun, exciting, I know there's going to be a lot of laughs today, we have Tease in the house, and we have Amy in the house, and I am just super excited to have you guys here, and I believe that Tease has told me that they are the co-founder of the organization Alar Institute School, and Alar focuses on the science of connection and Connection Collaboratory, which I am a part of the group on Facebook, um, is also under the umbrella of Alar. And this community space is a community that's led by discussions, by people in the group. They explore compassionate communication, yes, along with other events and classes that you guys might have and webinars. Did I miss anything? Hi, you guys. (laughs) Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for having us on. We're so excited to get to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Um, Let's see. Alar Institute, we're a school that focuses on the science of connection. And um, Amy is the head of Connection Collaboratory, which is our community branch that really is out there bringing people together, uh, holding space for these really important conversations, or so we think. (laughs) Yeah, we got to have you there. (laughs) That's good. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that or adding anything that I missed there. Um, We always on our podcast love to check in on a little bit of, you know, how things are going, how you're feeling, maybe what you're needing in this moment, or maybe during the week something has happened. So we just like to check in with each other to kind of get a little bit of (sighs) space into before we get into the topic that we're going to talk about. 
So I'll go first. So I've been talking all about this book called Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett. And he has an app that's called the Mood Meter. And it's only 99 cents. So it's just really cheap, <laughs> right up my alley. And you can check in any time in the day with his four quadrants that you, how you're feeling. And I've been checking in the moment I woke up, I kind of was like thinking about in my body, how am I feeling? And then later after I did my meditation, I checked in. I find it really cool to just have an intention to really just check in to see how it is that you're feeling. And then after you figure out what, what you're feeling in the box, like what color you are and then what word resonates with you, then you can just type in a little bit of something of like why you're feeling, maybe um, feeling frustrated or maybe you feel calm and relaxed. And so, and it keeps track. So that's really cool. And then before this call, I didn't tell you, I was on the NBC Academy. There was a, it was called um, Words That Liberate. And it's a movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Marshall Rosenberg had to do with something of this movie. Yeah, and I wa it was a 40-minute movie and it was about NBC and the prisons. Oh my god, it was a phenomenal short film and they had Dow there, they had Fred there, they had Lucy Liu there, and a few other people that I, I don't remember their names. Um, those three were in the film. So Fred, Fred Sly, he teaches NBC in a group setting at five different prisons in Oregon and tells, um, a story in the beginning of one of his classes about this tribe that if something that you did that was somewhat irresponsible, they place this person in the middle of the village. And then I guess everyone around, and you would think like, oh my God, where's this going to go? Everyone around then creates this space of telling about this person, of all of the wonderful, good, positive things that this person has done before this irresponsible thing. To humanize this person, to bring him back into the community, it was the coolest story. And of course, there is a lot longer story than that. But how he started this class in the prison this way to th like thinking like these people seem you know may seem like they're outcasts they're in prison right they're somewhere not really in the community right they're excluded kind of and bringing them into this circle and been like you know what we're going to humanize you and this is you have feelings and you have needs it was just the coolest thing to watch and to be a part of and he said it was really transformation, transformative in NBC inmates, the people that are even in the prisons, to the people who are not in prison anymore on how much they shift in perspective and everything that they've done learning NBC in, in the prisons. Oh my gosh. And uh, to think that NBC has just changed so many people's lives, it's incredible and amazing and I'm so happy to be a part of that now in my only three years right compared to Fred Sly who's done it since forever it seems like 
<laughs> so just feeling very inspired and really was curious about this film and wanted to know what they had to say and just needs met for just warmth and I don't even think I've still like processed it all so I don't really know maybe <laughs> um community it's still all very up in my brain just floating around just so I'm still trying to settle in with because it, it was just on this before we got on this call so I'm still like what <laughs> did I just watch <laughs> everyone needs to watch this this is great and I just felt so excited to share that and felt excited that I was a part of this thing that they were hosting on NBC Academy I feel complete thank you for listening <laughs> oh Katie <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing <sighs> about that. Yeah, sure. How are you, Tease? Um, yeah. You know, first, I just want to say, yeah, thank you so much for sharing about that. I haven't seen it yet. I knew it was being screened, and I was excited about it. I wasn't able to make it work today. And hearing you share, man, just like the inspiration that's present, how how moved you are by this film is it's just, you know, it radiates off of you. I, I could hear it in your voice. I can see it on your face. And it meets my need for like that shared reality, shared appreciation of NBC, Marshall Rosenberg's work and the potential it has to really transform our relationships with one another and, and the way that we see one another as fellow human beings and not as good people and bad people. Just, you know, for me, it like it really just boils down to to that one thing. And yeah, I, I, I find that inspiring. I, now I have like so much excitement. I can't wait to to go watch that short film. So yeah, that's about that. Uh, about Yeah. So thank you. Um, yeah. About my week. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Amy and I have been working hard to launch a new program and it launched this week. So there's been a lot of excitement and relief as well. Yes. Um, curiosity of, of how it would be received. And I must say like, yeah, the, the, the feelings right now well, the needs that are that are really getting met for me are um, that of acknowledgement and appreciation and and ease now coming on like the flip side of having like worked on it. So yeah, it, it's been a great week. It's been it was a little stressful at the beginning, just in tr like really caring so much about this and wanting to do uh, my best to offer our students. And then on the flip side of that, feeling like mission accomplished, Sweet. <laughs> I was able to carry it out in the way that I was intending. It's so nice when you feel that kind of like relief of like, okay, mm -hmm. it worked. We did it. Here we are. That's so awesome to have things that you've worked on so hard on to like come together and see it in action. Yes. And it, it's funny how it's almost like the moment right before it's like fully out there, like the highest, like the most tense moment of self-doubt, it like comes to visit, right? It's like, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Oh, this might go horribly. And here we go. <laughs> it's like, do it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> And then looking oh. back, like, okay. Doesn't that happen, though, to everyone? I mean, that, like, initial nervousness to, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost as if you're stepping up onto stage and you're like, oh, God, here it comes. <laughs> we always have that initial kind of angst feeling there. And then once it kind of, you step into what you're naturally at, good at, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I got this. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. I'm glad things are coming together. Amy, how are you? Oh my goodness. I'm excited. Um, it is really inspiring to see your resonance with the work of Rosenberg and nonviolent communication. And I have not yet seen the film, but I am looking forward to watching the recording of that screening. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it even more now that you've shared how much joy you got from it. Um, for me, uh, my check-in, I'm, I'm feeling really way more grounded than I do on average. I have so much scattered energy throughout my week, and I've been able to really find some grounding practices that are working for me that I'm really excited about and something that I'm bringing into my life upcoming is kind of looking at a lot of these grounding practices and pulling them all together into one piece. Uh, throughout the year, the past year, I've been exploring different ways to tune in to my own needs and be mindful that like my default is to look externally for what I should be feeling or doing and to rephrase that, reframe it in order to like check in with myself about what I want and what's present for me and what's true for me. I've found like lots of different methods for grounding there and I'm really excited to pull it all together. Like there's a piece of nurturing movement, there's reflective journaling, mm. there's art, and then there's like different workshop explorations, but I have this vision of pulling all these pieces together and offering that to Connection Collaboratory. So I've been really looking into doing that and I feel really thrilled about it. I love that. You have named pretty much all of the things that I love to do to like try to like ground myself down and figure out what I'm feeling and what I'm needing, which movement I, you know, walked in the sunshine and you mentioned some kind of movement in that. And I'm, I'm going, I'm chasing the sunshine. Whoa. Right. Cause it's sunny and then cloudy here, sunny, then cloudy here. So I'm like, Oh my God, it's sunny. Let's go outside and walk real fast. Yes. <laughs> and don't feel good right oh man so that journaling definitely hands down reflective and I love all of the fact that you're putting this together and you're gonna put it on the Facebook group oh shoot connection collaboratory <laughs> and have that available for people to be able to maybe implement into their life that's so great makes me happy to to know that there are other people that do very similar things to, to me too, and that it's helped you and that it may help even more people. I sure hope so. I know that I, it, it's a constant practice to keep at it. And there's a lot of growth and deepening of awareness that I want to do in that area. And I think that's why I want to dive into it. Yes, <laughs> as we, yes, all should do. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That was awesome. As we move forward into these things, I was curious if either of you or both of you would like to kind of share a little bit before we get on to, um, which I love this topic, hold no compliment, uh, comp complaint. <laughs> oh my God, what am I saying? <laughs> before we get on to hold no complaints, here we go. <laughs> I was wondering if either of you would like to like say how you got into NBC or what how, your little story on 
finding out about it. So either, which, who would like to go first? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> Amy's pointing at you, Tease. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have been studying this inner work yes. for the past 16 or so years, but it wasn't until about five years ago that I even heard about NBC or Marshall Rosenberg in the first place. And it was a, a new friend that I had made. Actually, it was a friend of a friend and she put us together. She's like, "You're both of you are into very similar work. You're going to hit it off right away. And we did. That first time we were on the phone and we were on the phone for like two hours. And we were like, oh, do you know about this and this work or this concept? And this is what I teach. No, no, this is what I teach. And we were just like sharing ideas back and forth. <laughs> it was all very inspirational. And she's like, if you get a chance, make sure to look up nonviolent communication. It's Marshall Rosenberg's work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm, mm, that, like the title of that just doesn't fully resonate with me. I really believe in, in naming what it is that we want more of and not its opposite. And so it kept me <laughs> from really looking into it for a few months. And then I think I heard it somewhere else again. I'm like, okay, 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 it's time. I'm just going to put it on. And so I pulled up a YouTube video and this is, oh my goodness, this recording, I want to say it's like in the seventies of Marshall Rosenberg doing a workshop and it's like three hours long. And I started watching it and just got sucked into the screen. And I was obsessed like from that moment. And I said, oh my goodness, this approach, yeah, like the structure of this makes it so much simpler to understand. I can definitely see how incorporating this into the work that I do in, in teaching and in also having private sessions with people, how it would help me communicate really what's going on within us in a way that is accessible. And making sure that this work is accessible is something that's really, really, really important to me because it's the type of work I believe belongs to all of us. I think the world would be a better place for all of us to understand what's going on within us. So it's not just somebody who has um, an expanded vocabulary and an elevated, you know, approach to philosophy and life and humaning, right? It, it's I, I really want this type of inner uh, knowledge to be accessible to all people. So that's what it brought to me. And since then I started incorporating bits and pieces into the work that I teach. And you know, what's funny is I met Amy about two years ago Sweet. and it was because, uh, I was delivering a talk and in delivering a, a talk for an event, Amy was in the audience and, you know, we connected afterwards. And in, one of the things that she asked me was, do you like do work with NVC or are you familiar with NVC? And it was like, yes, yes, of course. So she heard it in the talk that I was giving. And right away, like, I think Amy's ears perked up in that moment. And right away we knew that there was like that connection there. But Amy found it through other avenues, which Amy, where did you <laughs> first encounter it? Yes. I, I would love to tell my story of how I found NVC. So I was introduced by lots of people to this idea from various different places. It kept coming up and I was like, this doesn't apply to me. By just knowing the title alone, I was like, I don't know that this is really something that's that important for me to put at the top of my reading list. Finally, you know, it was recommended for the 500th time. And I said, all right, I'll take a look. 
And I'm reading this book and it, it resonates and I'm halfway through the book when I go to this event, Wellness by Design, and I meet Tease and Tease does this, this presentation and it like resonates with everything that's in the book. And it wasn't articulated in such a way that it was directly what was in the book, but it was incorporated and it was woven in. And I was so excited because this was revolutionary for me. And I approached Tease after the talk really excitedly, like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Have you heard of nonviolent communication? Is this like, cause your presentation reminded me of this book that I'm reading, <laughs> nonviolent communication. And I, I just wanted to talk to you about it because it's so exciting. And Tease was like, yeah. <laughs> A lot of my work is founded on this principle, on these principles, on this idea. And we geeked out over it for years, ever since. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome how that connected. You're like, I know what you're talking about. And then here you are. You're like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And that's how now Amy is the co-executive director of our institute along with me. Woohoo, that's so great. Oh, yep, right on. Man. So your your guys' relationship really kicked off like right on the right foot. <laughs> right away. <laughs> that's so cool. Thank you both for sharing your experiences with getting into NBC and how that all played out. Are we ready to get started on this topic that I am very curious about that I did no research for or anything to begin with, which I'm normally, Kyle's one to be like more spontaneous, you know, and I'm, I'm one to be like, oh, I'm going to research all of these things about all of this stuff about this one topic. <laughs> and I'm winging it today. Whoa, this Woo-hoo. is a big step for me. <laughs> wild. <laughs> Going wild, let it. my hair down, you know, just mm-hmm. usually in a ponytail. So we're going to be talking about hold no complaints, which to me, complaining, people always say, oh, they're complaining, oh, they're nagging, or that's kind of where I feel maybe society thinks of what complaining is and what it looks like, where people are just always complaining about this or that, or nagging about you about something, and now that I know NBC, I'm looking at complaining, or the complaint is... Like, oh, there's needs under there. Absolutely. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us more. <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly where I was going to start, Katie. It's like we planned it or something. You know, what? what is a complaint? <laughs> it's, hey, I'm not getting my needs met. There, there are needs that I have and they're not getting met. And so I have a complaint. Either this person is being that particular way or this situation is too difficult. You know, my needs are not getting met. So... Here's, here's what's, what's funny about complaints. If it is a new complaint, a, a complaint that's, that, that's come up all of a sudden spontaneously, <laughs> then, you know, it's just that feeling information letting me know that mm, this is unpleasant. This isn't meeting my need. I don't want it. And so that feeling stimulates me to seek out a strategy so that my need or needs can get met. However, here comes chronic complaints, right? (laughs) And we have chronic complaints. Do you know people that complain about the same thing over and over and over? Yes. (laughs) Worse yet, you know, you might even know one really personally. Or you live with them. (laughs) Yes. And maybe sometimes we even live in their own skin, right? Oh yeah, or right. (laughs) We all have these hidden 
chronic complaints that we latch onto. And and here's here's what's kind of sneaky about complaint chronic complaints, right? Because okay, complaints absolutely they are going to stimulate me to to change something, but not the chronic complaint. The chronic complaint, I want to offer up this idea that the chronic complaint is not something that we really are creating consciously or intentionally. It is an amazing strategy that's produced by our very own survival brain. Mm. Now, in the work that we teach, we talk a lot about this distinction between our consciousness, where our true personal power comes from, where we get to intentionally create and we have this awareness, right? This is our personal power lies here, consciousness. And then on the other side, we have survival brain. And what survival brain is, so for example, like a beating heart, right? Our beating heart is not something that's conscious to us. It's something that's happening within us. And, you know, we really don't have much to do with it. So just like the heart beating, the brain thinks. And there's a large part of the brain's thinking and processing that is happening unconsciously in the background, behind the scenes, unbeknownst to us. This part of the brain I like to call survival brain because it's just a mechanism that's helping to keep you alive. It is doing its best to find all the strategies to keep us alive. So a chronic complaint, let's go back to chronic complaint, is a very sneaky survival brain strategy where it appears to meet needs. However, it costs us something. When you say it appears to meet needs, I'm curious, what needs are we getting met when we have a chronic complaint? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. All right, let me slow it down here. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Can somebody give me a chronic complaint? What's, What's something that you might find yourself just like complaining about over and over and over again? Does it have to, oh, does it have to be like a complaint about someone, something doing something? Or can it be a complaint of like my physical body hurts all the time? Yeah, it could be any sort of complaint. Okay. Oh, so many. Oh, the sun is an owl. That's my complaint all the time living here. It's like, oh, it's raining. It's God dang it, it's raining again. Right. Okay. <gasps> so let's, okay. So, say for example, the sun isn't out, right? And the first evaluation is is this something I actually have the power to change? No. <laughs> now, it's not. <laughs> with the things that I consciously realize I have the power to change, right? Then all there is to do is to go about changing it. It's like, um, you know, it's the middle of the night and I'm cold and I should probably get a blanket. Mm, right? <laughs> it's like, ah. You're like, but I don't want to because it wakes me up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just that. So if there is a complaint that we discover, hey, I, I can totally change this, then what there is to do is to change it. The, the thing is, on the other side, on the flip side, there are situations where we need to really make like determine like is this really something I have no power over Hmm. and the brain is going to land on the side of not being able to change it more often than being able to change it it'll be like I can't do anything about that it'll claim like no responsibility well I can't do anything about that anyway Right. So if it's, for example, the sun, <laughs> right? In, in that case, if, if, if I'm complaining about the sun not being out, then I probably in that moment don't have any uh, power to change the position of the sun. However, I also can take a look at the needs behind that. 
And perhaps there might be another strategy other than the sun to get those particular needs met. So is the brain part, the chronic like complaining, say I complain that the sun's not out. Is there, there's a subconscious piece to this that the brain is holding onto for some reason. And by saying that we have needs met, needs not met by the sun being out, does that bring kind of this chronic complaint in the forefront and kind of healing it almost? Yeah, the, Amy, Amy has a question here. What needs are met by chronic complaints? Ah. So you're, you, you complain, you know what? The sun's not out again. So what is the need that's getting met? the moment that you have that complaint. God, uh, Amy, do you have any ideas what it would be for me? Because I'm like, so I'm clueless. I have an idea. Is it possible that by saying I'm not responsible, like for changing this, I can't do anything about this. Therefore, my discomfort isn't my fault. And there's nothing I'm going to do about it. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm not responsible for this situation. It absolves me of all responsibility, lets me off the hook. Absolutely. It lets you off the hook. So it makes complaining okay uh, to just do that or to say it? Well, it prevents you from seeking other ways of meeting the needs that would have been met by having the sun out. If you say, man, I would really love the sun to be out right now. What would I actually get from that? And how else could I kind of strive for that? That gives you more power and access to the experience you want. But it takes responsibility for getting your needs met. Mm -hmm. The complaint lets you off the hook for that responsibility. Uh... So if we were to to translate letting yourself off the hook or getting off the hook, what do we discover underneath that? We might discover needs such as ease, needs such as certainty, like I'm right and I know I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Significance, here it is. This is happening again to me. And this is news that it is happening to me again, right? Significance, <laughs> right. right? Safety, because now I don't have to risk anything. I don't have to, you know, go out of my way. <laughs> and, and also this um, illusion of control, of some control over my situation. Which also could be certain, you know, having this illusion of control could feel like you have some certainty like okay if i can control this then yes this is gonna you maybe have effect on the outcome kind of thing absolutely so that chronic complaint it's a it's a sneaky little bugger because it it will be survival brain that generates it and it's doing it because as survival brain it always wants to prioritize two things ease and safety Hmm. Ease and safety, ease and safety, ease and safety. Why? Because it is optimizing for survival. It doesn't want to expend extra energy that it doesn't need to expend. And it wants to make sure that you stay safe so you can stay alive. Now, notice that to our consciousness, that's not quite enough. It's not quite enough. We, we have so many varied needs that go way beyond our needs for safety and for ease. And this is why a chronic complaint, while still kind of like playing this role of meeting needs, uh, maintains an illusion of victimhood. I'm just, I don't have any power here. It's, it's, it's the sob story of, I can't do anything about this. <laughs> right? Why me? Why me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what we want to take a look at, though, and I think what, what we haven't really realized consciously is that holding on to that chronic complaint is actually impacting other needs 
needs that I believe are even more important to us than those of ease, certainty, significance, safety, and control. And so we want to take a look at that. And that's where we start realizing that this chronic complaint is not an effective strategy. It's not even an ineffective strategy, but worse yet, <laughs> it's a counterproductive strategy because it's kind of like knocking down the level of needs in other areas. So consider that the needs that it impacts whenever we hold on to a chronic complaint, it's impacting our true need for connection, for power, for freedom, for identity, like who I know myself to be, mm. and for peace of mind. Those are the needs that get impacted when we hold on to chronic complaints. Notice that these needs are contributors to just an amazing, fulfilling, thriving sort of experience of life. And so we get held back and we're kind of trading them off to be right, to get to, you know, be off the hook, to get to be significant about this. And I, I don't think that this is something that we'd really choose if we realize what was going on. And so this is why I believe this topic is an important one and one that I like to share with people because when we start now taking a look, hmm, what complaints am I holding on to? Which are my chronic complaints? And now they're going to become hot potatoes. <laughs> it's going to free me up to, to be able to jump into action, whether that action is solely internal within my perspective or external, like really like a strategy out in the world doing things. Say, for example, um, an, an internal strategy might simply be to let something go. If there is something I cannot change, can I make my peace with it? Can I allow it to be just as it is without wanting to change it? Mm. Can I accept it? Can I allow it? I think I have resistance to that idea because I'm equating it to just letting myself go with my needs unmet. Just like, I guess I'm just not going to get that need met. And that's not what you're saying, though. I think that it serves us to zoom out here for a moment. Let's zoom out. Let's go back to the initial complaint. The sun's not out. Now, notice that my complaint of the sun not being out is the sun being out a need of mine? No, it's it's a strategy. And so it's a strategy that would meet needs of mine. Oh. And so if I notice that I am not wanting to let go of my complaint and I've realized this isn't something I actually have the power to change, then maybe this is indicating to me an overattachment to a particular strategy. Now is an opportunity to get curious perhaps or to invite myself to explore, wait a minute, might there be other strategies available that would meet the same needs that I'm wanting to meet through this strategy? Right. How does that land for you, Amy? Does that soften it up a little bit? Very much, yes. Yeah, so that would be, you know, being more open-minded, almost like the complaint makes you kind of narrow-focused of like, this is what I want and need, the sun not being out, even though it's a strategy, then it kind of gives you a more open view of saying, oh, wait a minute, I could probably go chase the sun over at the coast because I know it's sunny over there instead of it not being sunny here. And, you know, then you're thinking, okay, well, the willingness to go and drive over there, how long does it take, you know, and um, interesting that the complaint is like, kind of, I was visualizing like a rock in the ocean or something where it's just weighing you down or an anchor, right? It's what these complaints are weighing you down to all these other needs that 
are there. I love that. That you can get fulfilled. Yeah, that's, that's like, it's locking you in to being only able to meet those needs through that one strategy that you're attached to. And so letting it go is unlocking that attachment, like unlocking you from the anchor so that you release the attachment and then being able to access new ways of getting it met, getting those needs met other than the original thing you're complaining about. Yes. Interest. Oh man. So good. (laughs) I just have so many things to think about in it. Didn't it brings me back to letting go how hard that is to do because there's an acceptance piece to that to being okay with something that I can't control you know and we can't control things or we can't control other people we can't control the sun we can't stop the earth from moving right (laughs) not that we would want that (laughs) but and that's hard because there is that resistance Amy that you were speaking of I find myself in other aspects resistant to letting things go and only complaining about but you know but why doesn't he want to be with me or you know why aren't we together or just these things that you hold on that you complain about in your head not that you say it out loud often you know and like what is that fear what is that resistance that's holding you back why are we complaining about this because our needs for safety what you know what is comfortable to you I mean there's yeah. So here's what I find really funny. While there is so much in our lives that we truly don't have control over, when it comes to complaints, I find that we, or survival brain, automatically underestimates ourselves. We underestimate our ability to meet our needs. And so basically it, it's when we lock into one strategy and one strategy only, or complaining about that this strategy isn't available to me. You're right. It, it locks us in, but it also in a way is, is that, you know, it's what's keeping us safe because imagine taking accountability for your needs fully and going out and seeking strategies to get those needs met. So can we, um, Katie, can we, can we use the example of he doesn't love me? Oh yeah, sure. He doesn't want to be with me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, he doesn't want to be with me, right? So what needs might not be getting met if that were to come up for somebody? What needs might not be getting met by that is to be loved, maybe. To matter, intimacy, physical uh, um, attention or physical connection, um, companionship depends on the type of relationship maybe that you had with this person um maybe needs for play wonderful all right silliness fun (laughs) yes i'm gonna pause you there now i'm gonna go through i'm gonna reflect back the ones that i heard you say and if you could pick out for me like top three just to make it a little simpler here all right so you said to be loved to matter intimacy physical connection companionship and play. Oh God, they're all so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, that strategy um, really did it for you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, play to matter and companionship. Okay. So I have play to matter and companionship. Great. So now he doesn't love me has become a chronic complaint. Can you see how 
if you were to if you were to cycle on that right like re repetitively he doesn't love me he, i don't know why i really wish he would want me i've done everything i can to show him how much i care about him how much i want him in my life how i can like yes. you know meet help him meet his needs and he just won't and now like i'm just i'm i'm, I'm clinging to that i'm clinging to that how would you describe the experience of that being in that mode oh it's it would be painful sad I don't know. It feels like almost torturous to my own brain. Yeah. Painful, sad, and torturous. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's, here's what's funny. That's just the press release. Huh? That's what gets shown on the outside. Oh, the pain. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Oh, torturous. Oh. Yeah. Now, let's see what's going on in the background. Okay. Right. The fact that he doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore. Right. What what resonates for you in in terms of like holding on to this complaint? What needs might it like the, the illusionary like needs that might be getting met here? Do you hear a need for certainty or significance or safety or control? I don't know about control very much. I think more the first two. The first two. So certainty, like certain in I'm doing everything I can and he just won't love me and I'm doing my best. And that significance of why is this happening to me? My pain is so great, so great, right? And, and we communicate this to others so that they know how great our pain is. <laughs> right. And right. notice that there's like a significance that we get attached to there. But now let's take a look at those needs again. Companionship, play, and to matter. Now, what would it be like for you to seek out other strategies to meet those needs? T take a moment just to reflect on like how, like what other strategies might be available for you of how you might go about getting those needs met? Well, for play, um, I, it's just, I, oh, yes. Okay. Well, it's just like that playful thing that you have with, I don't know, in that like romantic relationship is so different than the play that you have with a friend, it seems. Right now, I play with a couple friends. Um, I do acro yoga, which is an acrobatic yoga partnered thing, activity that I love to do. And so that's uh, where I get my play in to also the physical touch, which is, you know, one of my top five love languages. So I get not only play in, but also physical touch in and strength, you know, and all of that. So that's one strategy that I've done so far in my life to get that play. And board games and playing games, card games and stuff is another way that I get play in. Nice, nice. What about um, companionship? I don't have any other ways to meet my need for companionship because other companionship is just different and... This is the only way I could do it. And since that's not available to me. Right. Oh, I'm certain that this is not going to be, there's no other way. See, that one's hard. I don't have, I don't know. That right there, that I don't know. Ah. Uh, Nobody likes to be in a space of I don't know. The brain is not comfortable with uncertainty. And so by holding on to your complaint, at least you get certainty. You get certainty that this sucks. Ah. You get certainty that this should be, but it isn't. Right. <laughs> and so that's 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 what you're getting out of it that's kind of how that need for certainty is actually getting met and being certain that this is the only relationship for you that would meet your needs in this particular way 
in the meantime, what are you not getting? Oh God, I need help with that one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the meantime, like consider that if you were to go out and seek new strategies for companionship, play, and to matter, that if you were to go out and seek them, that you would actually find them. But it requires putting yourself out there. It requires some element of risk of maybe going out on some new dates, on finding people, of connecting. It, 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 it requires reaching outside of that bubble. It requires obtaining new strategies. Now, here's the thing. Our survival brain doesn't like finding new strategies when it has found one that works pretty well. For the brain, bird in the hand is way, way, way a million more times valuable than two in the book. Yeah, it's working. The brain's like, uh-uh, I found, I found a good strategy. I don't want to find another strategy. Forget that. And so consider your brain is very convinced that there is definitely nothing else out there that will compare or be better. Definitely not. Definitely not out there. <laughs> it just knocks all of that off the plate. And so instead, it just keeps you locked into that certainty and you get like, you're getting crumbs. You're getting measly crumbs of satisfaction. Yeah. And at the cost of the ones that would really deliver a sense of fulfillment and aliveness. So the fear is in trusting yourself to discover new strategies that might not just compare, but might actually exceed themselves in efficiency in comparison to previous strategies. Not to mention that 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 current strategy or the, the the previous strategy is simply not available anymore, right? It's not like, oh, I'll stay here where it's cozy and warm. No, it's like you're out in the cold and you're like, well, well, I'm just going to sit outside the door here and this is fine. It's 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 the, the little dog in the house that's on fire going, this is fine. I'll just keep my complaint. This is fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I may die up here, but I'm okay. <laughs> gonna go along yes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i at least, yeah at least i don't have to do anything about it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is fine really gets me off the hook for finding a fire extinguisher or running down 10 flights of stairs you know going out into the cold air whatever it is perhaps even finding others in the building it's like come on let's go together yeah. But no, this is fine. Oh, dear. It's that. It's so interesting because one part of my brain is saying, yeah, this makes so much sense. Like, it's not available to me anymore. Why are you holding on to something that's not available to you anymore? You know, that glimpse of hope that maybe someday he'll come back or maybe he'll change his mind, you know? And... (laughs) I know that it's not, you know, you know, it's like, it's not true, but there's that little hope that like keeps you clinged on and like behind the door where it's like, there's fire and you're like, you better jump or else. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, you know, there's a big trampoline. You'll be safe. It'd be fine. Cause you know, you're going to hit the trampoline and bounce (laughs) and, you know, do your thing jumping out of this window. (laughs) Yes. It's that initial jump that is hard. Yeah, it is. It, It is challenging. And I think that the reason that it's challenging is because we're coming up against the protection of our own survival brain. Mm -hmm. It requires consciousness, intentionality, awareness, and some courage to step out of that default survival brain thinking. Yeah. What do you think, Amy? I think that 
a lot of people listening might be having some resistance. Yeah. And I think that (laughs) makes sense. Yes, absolutely. I think it's something that, depending on the Quranic complaint, I might be really attached to it. And I might be able to see how it's anchoring me Mm. away from being able to meet other needs and not know what the first step is. Yeah, and during COVID though, right? Like we're going, well, what is the first step? There's no dating happening. I mean, especially for me, I can't just be like, hey, parents, I have men coming over. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, is this that one step if I was going to try to find some sort of companionship or, you know, go outside of that? It's also another element that I can't control where it's unsafe to be going out and mingling with people because I will not want to bring that home to my parents right so like what do you do when you look at this strategy of okay I need I have this need for companionship so then we have COVID happening now what how how is there that strategy that we could find companionship with someone when that's not necessarily available and having to have that awareness or uh, acceptance to say eh, this is what it is right now and maybe we, you know, accepting that this is happening, yes, and there will be light at the end of this, <laughs> hopefully. Here's, here's what's funny. <laughs> what, that, what that has me think of, right, is, is going back to this idea that any complaint we have is going to be around a strategy. It will never be truly that we cannot meet a particular need. Our complaint will always be about a strategy. And what do we know about strategies? They're infinite. Correct. <laughs> Choices. Yeah. So, you know, under under that sort of lens, um, what we realize is there's no such thing as a true complaint in the sense that there is never going to be a situation where a need will never be met again for us. Sometimes there's like a pause a slowing down of us meeting a need as we as we figure it out and our needs can be met in so many different ways that we will never require a particular strategy and complaints are often based around a particular strategy and so this is where our brain really locks onto something and says no i have to have it this way i have to have this strategy Otherwise, my need just won't get met. And this will like almost never, almost never be true. I, you know, just I'm, I'm leaving the almost in there just to like leave myself like a back door. But like crisis of imagination. Yeah, crisis of imagination. Yeah, I love that phrase. Well, when we're so narrow inside of our heads and attached to a certain strategy, I've definitely been told, <clears throat> sorry about my ex who... Oh, there's just no choices. It's almost like he just got cut off from all of these choices that could be possible. It's just, like you said, this creativity of thinking outside the box to figuring out different ways that could still meet your needs, just maybe in a different way, using a different strategy. And, you know, when you are in that mindset of, okay, well, I'm being anchored down to this one way, It's hard to see any other way. You know, what happens when someone comes and says, well, what about this idea and this strategy and this strategy? There's three strategies I just gave you. Is any of them work? (laughs) And they're like, no, because they really want the one. (laughs) 
you know, it's it's a t- that's a tough. Uh, Absolutely, it's happened to me, and I was kind of stumped because I was going, but there's all of this stuff, all these uh, strategies, and they're like, no, <laughs> that's not gonna work. I'm like, what? I think that's a really <laughs> important point you're making right there, Katie. That even when being shown or faced with, hey, there are other strategies available that would meet those needs, there is still. Um, uh, a, a reluctance to let go of the certainty of like, no, it cannot be, it cannot be be- because it's survival brain. That's, that's doing the choosing there. That's survival brain doing the thinking. It's not us consciously uh, yeah. aware of, Hey, wait a minute. Like, yeah, I want to get as many of my needs met and, um, it's going to take something. It's going to take me stepping out. And I think that's, you know, that's what makes the complaint so genius that it, the press release is, if I could have it any other way, I would. It, it, if I could get my need met, I totally would, but I can't because of this, right? It, it's it's perfect because it's it's the perfect pity party. It's, I don't have any control over this. However, it's it's actually not. Yeah. It's actually not at all. It's, you know, say for example, um, uh, I, I have a friend who tends to be late to our gatherings. Repeatedly. I know the time and time again. Uh, so much so that I don't think I've ever <laughs> met with them on time. And so what do I do? I complain. Right. This person is always <laughs> late. Right. And we have that complaint about that person being always, well, if you know that they're always late, can you not plan for that? You can. Can you not plan for that lateness? Do you want to be spending time with this person? Do they do they mean something to you? Can you just Accept that. (laughs) And if lateness is not something that is tolerable in your book, then I would say get out and meet other people. Not everybody is late all the time. It's true. My acupuncturist said, yes, they may be late. And yet they are consistent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like, well, right. They are consistent. You know that they're going to be late. And say they're, you know, I know someone who's like, uh, someone who is, say, 10 minutes late. And I go, they go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's like, yeah, but you're consistent. So I know what to expect. This is good because I like <laughs> the... Uh, um, the predictability of that? Yes. Yes, exactly. I like having predictability. I like to know. And so if I know this is your consistency, then I'm just like, okay, cool. I can accept that. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, I'm curious if you remember what you were going to say earlier. Oh, it was just about how when I voiced uh, that people listening might have resistance, I was worried that I was interpreted as me having resistance, but I'm so on board and loving the whole philosophy, totally pulling my anchor up out of the boat. And so I'm with you. And I think that it's explained in a way that is very clear and thorough and giving and vivid and so i wanted to like be like i didn't i didn't mean to (laughs) i wanted my intentions to be seen playing the devil's advocate though is good because people that do listen gonna be possibly like any of us me will feel represented yes exactly and include in like but i feel resistance to this what about me okay yeah, I, <laughs> why me <laughs> you know so i'm glad that you i think part of me 
was like, I don't know what to say right here. And part of me was like, I wonder if, and so, but then I realized that I, I didn't want to come across as, anyway, we can go back onto the, <laughs> the microphone times. <laughs> I totally enjoyed, no, what, what you said, I might just put it in there because that was really good. We got it, include everyone. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely one of our core values at our institute. So when you come across someone who complains a lot, whether you know them from work or a friend or roommate or partner, is there a way to use NBC to dig into their complaints a little bit and being on the outside, knowing that you're not attached to any of, maybe you find it annoying, sure, and maybe you're, you have capacity to sort of take in and dig into that. So what would that look like to dig into someone who's just, yes. you know, complaining about this and that and the other, and it's all, it seems negative all the time. And how do you so it, <laughs> communicate with them? Yeah. How do you communicate with them? Like little side note here. If I'm saying like, oh my gosh, Katie's just so negative all the time. Let's complain this, complain that. Notice that that's my complaint. Oh, that <laughs> is hilarious. I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> That's calling the kettle black. <laughs> anyway, all right. Wait, I, I you know, you yes. know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> the pot yeah, yeah, call, yeah. calling the kettle black. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so if I'm not in a complaint, this is when I will have space for that person. <laughs> and first of all, I, I would I, I like to say that if there's somebody in your life who's exhibiting a behavior that you're not appreciating so much, the first step is letting go of wanting to teach them, especially in this work, in this inner work as, as we're learning and growing and expanding and discovering new tools and new approaches. Oftentimes we're like, Oh, I know who needs this. Oh, hold on. Let me go. Let me go teach them about this. <laughs> right. They really need it. <laughs> right. And it often backfires. I'm, I'm letting you know this out of personal experience as well as my observations <laughs> of other people. Right. It often backfires. So to really let go of that agenda, I believe serves us greatly. Now, what, what there is to do next is really just compassion, really understanding what's going on for somebody. And, and maybe it is listening to their complaint fully and, and helping them to explore what that's about for them. So now that said, I, I don't take the complaint per se very seriously, but I take what they're experiencing extremely seriously. Yeah. So somebody gives me a complaint, oh, this is happening. That's happening. Oh, can you believe that? I'm like, wow, it sounds like this is, this is really challenging. I, I'd love to know more what you're experiencing here. And so they start talking and they're talking about the thing oftentimes and not about what they're experiencing. Mm. And so I will practice my listening there. Okay. So is, is it, is it some frustration that you're experiencing and maybe some annoyance? Um, you know, start guessing some feelings and then, yeah, it, it, from what I'm hearing you say, it, it really seems like you're, you could really use some ease. Is, is that what's going on for you? you just, Oh, like it, it really, you feel perhaps it shouldn't be so difficult. It'd be really nice to just have some ease and just, I'm, I'm always waiting for the, yeah. Right. You know, that, that comes after that when something resonates, but they're still sort of like in it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so once I can get them into that mode, now I see what's going on for them. And, and usually when somebody experiences being heard, being understood, those needs start filling up a little bit more 
I find that everything else kind of like settles down a little bit more. Now, that soothingness is what I believe we all have the power to to gift one another. We gift each other that soothingness by really striving to have them feel heard yeah. and understood and cared about. Like, I care about your experience being so crappy right now. Like, yeah. that sucks. I really do wish you had more ease. And we're not responsible for that staying there. And and oftentimes, somebody who who is, you know, in that mode will generate themselves back into a spot of complaint and upset and frustration and annoyance. So that's on them. But when they come in contact with me and when I choose to be around them, this is what I offer. <laughs> this is what I can do. This is my little bit. And, and hopefully, you know, in the example of that, people might get a little curious because once they get curious and once they ask, well, what do you do about this? Oh, oh, well, thank you for asking. Here, here it is. Here's what I do. I don't know if it'll work for you, but feel free to try it out. Yeah. You know, it's really made a big difference for me. Um, so really like that modeling I find is what's most inspiring and enticing. It spreads it and hopefully people will pick up on it and try it out, you know, when they're in other conversations with other people. One thing that I really liked and actually happened recently to me where you took this person's experience and you allow them to have their experience and then you kind of got in there a little bit to see how it is that they're feeling in this experience, especially when it's usually about the experience. So I was talking to Denise about a situation that was happening at home and she just wanted to acknowledge and she acknowledged me and said, you know what, I want to acknowledge that this is your truth and this is your reality right now and I hear you. And I was like, oh my gosh, because it didn't, you know, complain, it's, whether we call it complaining or venting or whatever it is that we're doing, it was just so helpful to feel acknowledged in that this is what I'm experiencing right now. This is what my reality is. And yes, it is so frustrating. And I love that she held that space for me and didn't take it away from me, didn't tell me, well, it's not like that or you know, she just she just allowed me to have my experience that I was having in that moment, no matter how hard it must have been. And yes, you're right. To be understood, I was understood and to be heard. And I was able to then release this thing, experience that I was having and just allowing people to have their experience as they are in that moment. And she dug into, you know, how it is that I was feeling. And I was like, yep. <laughs> and we're like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> so I'm glad that you used that in that modeling yes. um, example. Because absolutely, many times when we do have conversations with people, we might forget to know that, you know, that's their stuff. Whatever's going on is their stuff. And we can also hold that space for their stuff and say, wow, that experience must have been super rough. And just acknowledge that, that that is how it was for them. Yes. Because it is. That's their truth they're holding on to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to speak to that, I think that oftentimes with any sort of communication tool or approach, so to speak, there's a oftentimes a misunderstanding that we're going to use this to get what we want from others. We're going to use it to to change the way that they are or the way that they talk to us or so on and so forth. And and I don't believe that's what this, like the, the main point of this work is. The main point of this work is really to understand what's going on and to 
be able to have access to do the work for ourselves internally. Yeah. Whatever anybody else is doing, it's really kind of not our business. It's not our thing. It's not our job to, to fix or correct or even evaluate, right? When really like the power is on me being informed with me, connecting with me, what are my preferences? What am I choosing? What am I wanting? How can I change my behaviors and my ways of being so that I have access to more of the types of experiences that I want to have in my life? So, so it's, this work is not about fixing or changing anybody else other than really impacting, um, a shift within ourselves. And then the other thing I wanted to be really clear on is that this idea of complaining, I I'm also not labeling as wrong. There's nothing wrong about complaints. It's not bad or wrong to have a chronic complaint. Even at the same time, there will be a consequence to it. There will be an impact. And this is where my passion is that if you're holding onto a chronic complaint and it's kind of this survival brain thing that is running you versus you being aware and choosing that for yourself, it is really impacting your ability to thrive in life. Mm-hmm. It's holding you back from your having your needs fully met for connection, for power, for freedom, for identity, yes. and for peace of mind. And so it's not about, you shouldn't have any complaints. No, no, no. It's like, if you have a complaint, awesome. If you want some support in exploring that, great, let's do it because there's so much more available to you. Somebody has a complaint to me, that's like a big old flag saying there's more available for this human being in terms of their yes. experience of life. How exciting is that? It's that alarm going off saying, hey, we have needs unmet. Like, yeah, let's open the door. That to me is ah, more openness to more conversation, to like have that dialogue, to dig into what's going on. Yeah, it's like, hello, <laughs> I'm here. What do we got to do? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love this, all of it. I feel like we could probably talk for more time. Oh, easily. <laughs> so easily. Amy, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to add before we say goodbye? I'm feeling complete. Good. Tease, how are you feeling? Anything you might need to add? Hmm. <laughs> Let me see here. I think maybe what, what I'll leave you with is the idea that chronic complaints will often occur to us as walls. Ah. That's where we are stopped. And I want to really put forth the idea that they're only hurdles. They're only hur- hurdles that we can really discover a passion for jumping over that really uh, produce uh, a sense of aliveness and fullness and exhilaration in traversing. I love it. That was great. You know, I've I've fallen over a hurdle once. <laughs> Got the wind knocked right out of me. Oh, oh my good Lord. <laughs> so you know that sometimes things happen. And little hurdles, we might fall and we just get right back up and we might feel as though we've gotten through this complaint and then it comes up again and you're like, no judgments. They're not bad. They're just trying to tell us something. Exactly. And I loved that last bit that you said. Yeah, they're they're not these giant crevices that we'll never be able to get out of. It's mm-hmm. I think once we realize and dig into that, that's where our higher state of consciousness is at. That's where our awareness sits is when we can 
let go of that reluctancy and that resistance to be open to going, you know what, I think I can meet these needs in these other strategies, other ways. There's many, many more, you know, it's like there's many men in the sea, right? There's Mm -hmm. plenty of fish in the sea. Why are we hung up on the one? (laughs) There's probably tons that are looking for this, this, and this. Ooh. Do it. Sorry. What jumped into my head right away was what? Well, 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 why? Why do you think that your brain might be leaning towards the one? Like the idea of <laughs> the <laughs> one. Right? Where, where does that come from? And and this is where perception now comes in, our beliefs about life. Right? Where might that come from? Mm, society, mm. our our Disney shows. <laughs> yeah, you know, we started watching that show, like those those programs and you know cartoons and movies early, early on. There are these huge beliefs that get ingrained, as in, you will find the love of your life, and then you will be set, and all of your needs will be met by this one person in the most perfect of ways. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't that be nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, get, get a handle on real life, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's not... The, the number one advice I give to couples is make sure that you diversify how you get your needs met. Right. Do not count on that one other person yep. to meet all of your needs, you know, to be your one and only strategy. That's a sure way to set ourselves up for a whole bunch of disappointment, regret, yeah. upsets, grudge holding. Mm-mm, that will dissolve your relationship. Yeah. So anyway, don't get me started. Well, you guys can come on again and we can talk about that too. <laughs> we can talk about all sorts of stuff. <laughs> that was so wonderful. I love it. I'm so appreciative that you guys shared your experiences and your thoughts and all of your knowledge and learnings about all of this. And I feel very grateful to have you on and please don't be stranger. Please come back. Now that we sum things up, thank you. Any events or classes or courses or things happening in your guys's community um, that you want to say to our listeners? Absolutely. We have our introductory program. It's a two hour workshop. It's free. We really want to bring this work out into the community as much as possible. And we try to deliver it um, about twice a month. It's called Connective Communication Basics. And it's it's our you know first level introductory course. You'll get a little sample of what uh, being in a, a live classroom with us is like. Uh, you can ask all of your questions, your yeah, but, or what about are highly encouraged, like bring it because it's an interactive class where we, we want to help you to fully understand and resolve any sort of confusion or resistance you might have about any bit of it. Um, and then just to kind of give a little sneak peek, what's beyond this program that we just recently launched, it's a membership program that gives you access to live weekly classes that have a new topic to them every single week. And you're surrounded by a community of other conscious seekers of a more enriching life experience. Um, And so you have the opportunity for those classes. You have the support of the community there. You get into Connection Collaboratory, where you get to be in a peer-led space, sharing different work from different teachers. So we encourage you to learn from the variety that's out there, not just our own particular approach. And that's the space that you do that part of it in. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's a little sneak peek of like the membership that's available. Thank you. Amy, anything happening on your end? Um, if you're interested in joining Connection Collaboratory, the peer-led discussion groups, that's on Facebook, and all you'd have to do is share how you found out about us, which would be this podcast. And once you join, you'll get access to you know all those event invites. I think we host them multiple times a month, and there's different socials and workshops on NVC topics and other topics. And we also are doing a workbook study group to dive into NVC chapter by chapter. Sweet. And what's so awesome is that I'm so passionate about this and I get to share it with the both of you. I get to just be here with the both of you. Just And I met the both of you on this workshop that Tease was talking about. I was like, oh my God. You guys are so awesome. I have got to get you on the podcast. So I am so glad that I did join. And Amy, you were the one that posted the link for that workshop in the NBC group that I was a part of. And sure enough, you were the one that I actually met. So that was really cool. And um, so I'm so glad to have gotten this time to spend with both of you. And Living Connected, thank you for listening. Be kind to your heart and be gentle to your heart. And we will catch you next time. Bye, Tease and Amy. It was so good to see you both. Thank you so much for having us on. This has been delightful. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Katie. And thank you for the podcast that you do and spreading the message about this amazing work of Marshall Rosenberg's um, that is fueling so many other people to to really get out there and make a difference for each other. Yay! Cheers to that. <laughs> Hearts and hugs. Yeah! <laughs> oh, right? Mwah! Awesome. Toodles, everyone. Yay! <laughs>